Locals know the STN Sports app is the most trusted sports betting app in Nevada. They have convenient sign-up locations across Las Vegas. So download the STN Sports app today. Download and get a bonus up to $500 when you sign up at any of our convenient locations. Vegas Nation sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. Download the app and get a bonus up to $500 when you sign up. You're listening to Vegas Nation. It's Friday, which means it's time for unsportsmanlike conduct with your hosts, Adam Hill and Ed Green. Hey, welcome in Unsportsmanlike Conduct to the Vegas Nation. This podcast is sponsored by Station Casinos SDN Sports, and we're your hosts, Ed Green and Adam Hill, and we're here each week to give you some of our thoughts on the Las Vegas Raiders before entering the world of news and topics we find interesting. So here we go, Adam. Uh, training camp in full swing. Last two days, you and I were out there, pads on. Um, not a ton of like aggressiveness in pads, I think, in the NFL nowadays. They don't want to get guys hurt. There's too much money involved, too much emphasis on winning. I want to start with this, though, because the last 24, 48 hours now, we are, um, we're uh, recording this on Thursday to be played on Friday. The Raiders signed Gerald McCoy. Talk about him, six-time Pro Bowler. You wrote about him in the paper. And it just ran across that they had brought in former Seahawks veteran linebacker K.J. Wright, who's uh, familiar with Gress Bradley's system, now the Raiders D.C. What does this tell you that they're trying? They're going and getting guys at this point in camp in positions they, you know, they have a depth chart at, and they, they haven't had a ton of injuries yet. But is it a what John Gruden is saying is like now or nothing, all or nothing this year? And if they think they're you know soft at any spot or lacking at any spot, especially defensively, they're going to keep looking for bodies. Well, I mean, I think first of all, you're always looking, even even during the season, you're always going to try to find ways to make your team better. Uh, I think you know with these guys in particular, uh, one you start with Gerald McCoy, who for a decade was one of the elite defensive tackles in the entire league. We know that, you know, up front has been an issue for the Raiders over the last couple of years. They invested quite a bit this offseason. But, you know, you have a guy like that available who sounds like he's healthy now after missing all of last season. Uh, I think you, you bring him in and see what he's got. If he's, he's anywhere close to what he was, you know, three, four years ago, uh, you know, he's 33, taking a lot of wear and tear on the body. Like, if he's anywhere close to that, that's an elite level defensive tackle, six-time pro bowler former first team all pro like you you have to kind of see where that guy is and you've got a couple of weeks to find out so uh makes a lot of sense and then in the case of kj Wright, like we know the linebacking core has been an issue we know that they haven't really done a whole lot to address it they did it last year uh, they're hoping those guys make a big step forward but you know i think gus bradley looks around and he's got some some guys in the defensive backfield that know his system uh that you know he brought in that he's familiar with and and he could just kind of use and say hey listen you guys know what to do go do it that's clearly the case with KJ Wright, too. KJ Wright's been on Seattle his entire career. Gus Bradley was the defensive coordinator there when he broke into the league. He's very comfortable with him over the years. Uh, it sounded like KJ Wright was probably going to eventually come to an agreement with the Seahawks to go back there. Uh, but now he's in for a meeting, and you know they're kind of seeing where he's at, too. So um, I, I just feel like, yes, it's something we're going to see all the time. You're going to see teams uh, every single week bringing in guys, you know, kicking the tires on guys, seeing where they're at. Uh, you'll see it again close to the season when a bunch of guys get released uh, and teams are kind of scrambling to see where they're at. But in this case in particular, pretty clear, if there's a defensive player that can help, the Raiders are going to be looking at him, talking to him, uh, seeing where he's at because they know uh, that they need to get better defensively. It's not a secret to anybody. It's not a secret to us. It's not a secret on that property. They know that they have an offense that they think uh, can can be playoff worthy and they thought last year could be playoff worthy. Uh, they just need to get better on defense. And if the guys there aren't going to be enough, uh, you might as well keep looking around. And I think it's a message to the guys there on defense right now. 
to say, hey, nobody's job is safe. If, if we can get better, we're going to try to get better. Yeah, I'm wondering also what you think about this. If he if he comes in at Sam Leinberger, you know, they, they've got some linebackers here that, uh, you know, Corey Littleton's got to step up. Uh, Nick Kwiatkowski's having a decent camp, at least when Marcus Mariota's throwing the ball. <laughs> but again, Tanner Muse is a guy we didn't see all last year. And people are now saying, you know, oh, he's going to be a base linebacker. I don't know how much base they're going to play against some of the quarterbacks they're going to face. Um, but you bring in KJ Wright, who, I don't know if it's Nicholas Morrow, uh, Richardson, I don't know who it is, but who's who's susceptible here? I mean, who who, who should be worried? All of them? Or, or, or you know, is this guy going to come in and, like, take someone's job? Well, I think everybody needs to to be alert and be aware for sure. Um, I think the first one with the uh, with the Joe McCoy thing, um, I think one of the things that you're going to look at potentially is see Solomon Thomas kick outside a little bit more. Uh, Solomon Thomas is a guy who can play defensive tackle, but um, in in the scheme that the Raiders are trying to play, uh, he can also probably rotate outside, especially against the run, because while the Raiders have bolstered their pass rush, they think Max Crosby can be really good. Um, you know, obviously take a step forward. Uh, they think that Yannick Ngakwe comes in and helps the pass rush for sure. Um, there, There is questions, I think, when you look at that lineup, and I think the first time we stepped on the field and said, oh, uh, they're going Max Crosby and, and Yannick Ngakwe as the starters. Uh, this team might not be able to stop anybody on the run. Uh, this, this team is going to be able right. to get to the quarterback, but they can't stop the run. But if you go Joe McCoy inside, kick Solomon Thomas outside on early downs, all of a sudden now your run defense uh, could be a little bit more uh, potent. You could be you could have a little bit more muscle against the running game. So uh, I think that that helps there. Uh, and in terms of KJ Wright, yeah, I think you know they don't use their linebackers a lot in general. Um, no. You know, we've talked about this, and and we've said, no. oh, okay, Tanner Muse is. Uh, playing, you know, a lot of sets in, in training camp, and we're seeing him out there a lot. Uh, and then John Gruden was like, "Well, yeah, but how, how often do we use our linebackers, really?" Which is which is fair. And so I think, you know, KJ Wright is a guy who can, I think, play in a couple of different situations. I think again, the key is understanding the system, knowing what Gus Bradley wants. Uh, that feels like a move where Gus Bradley said, "Hey, um, you know, we have linebackers here, and they're not bad, but you know, I like this guy, and he knows what I want from him, and he knows he knows in particular." what we need out of our linebackers in this defense. And I think that's uh, that's the biggest factor for him. Well, over to the other side, uh, we've been out there every day, and it seems like every day some of these receivers that they were really excited about last year bringing in, and for whatever reason, whether it be uh, injuries, um, uh, just you know inability to kind of take that first step, are Brian Edwards and, and Henry Ruggs, and they've really done well, I think, with Derek Carr early in this camp. Um, Talk about these young receivers. Brian Edwards seems to make a highlight play every day. And, you know, is this just the kind of progression and maturation we thought we'd see? Or are they even kind of better than you thought they'd be at this point? Well, in particular on Edwards, um, he's a guy who last year was having kind of the same camp. Like Brian Edwards was unbelievable in training camp last year. And I think you, you know, you kind of looked around and said, well, he's a rookie. It's a tough adjustment to the NFL. Um, rookies don't generally step in and, and, you know, play at a very, very high level at the NFL. Uh, but you said, okay, Brian Edwards looking really good, especially a guy that's not a first-round pick. You know, Ruggs had all the attention. But Brian Edwards was crushing it in training camp last year, and then he got hurt right away in the season. So uh, we didn't know if that was just, you know, training camp muscle, like we saw out of Keela Doss uh, on Hard Knocks, where he was unbelievable in training camp and then struggled to make an impact on the field. Uh, we didn't know if that was the same case with Brian Edwards or if maybe he was going to have an unbelievable rookie season and the injuries are just what held him back. Uh, so pretty interesting that he's having, once again, uh, this unbelievable training camp, because I think that, you know, might start to tell you, okay, this guy, if he's healthy, uh, can have a major impact on the team and, and on the field. And 
uh, play at a very high level. So I, I think there there should be some some real excitement about that. And then and with Henry Ruggs, like I I've seen him make some plays with his feet again, uh, a lot of speed, a lot of big plays. Uh, I think the the concern maybe, and again, it's early in training camp. We've seen what one real padded practice, one uh, shoulder pad practice. Um, but I, I just feel like they're not going to him consistently again. It's another scenario where, hey, when it's time for a big play, Henry Ruggs can make it. We saw that last year, Kansas City and uh, and the Jets. Uh, and they mentioned, um, you know, John Gruden is very uh, apt to talk about the one game where he drew a big pass interference penalty down the field against New Orleans. Uh, he made big plays in those spots, but it wasn't there consistently. I think that was the concern with Henry Ruggs. And I just feel like you're kind of seeing that in training camp, champ, training camp again where he's making a lot of big plays, uh, but it's just, you know, on a down-to-down basis in camp, uh, some of the other guys that are showing up a little bit more. I want to go, uh, well, on the field and off the field here because uh, we talked, uh, Derek Carr had his weekly uh, press conference with media yesterday, had, had a lot of things to say, but we believe later in the week, uh, perhaps on Friday, we'll talk to Carl Nassa for the first time in camp uh, since he had made the announcement that he came out as gay and, and was going to, you know, uh, see, I think people wondered, okay, what would an NFL locker room, what would an NFL players, how they would respond to this? Uh, Carr was the first teammate asked about it yesterday. Um, and, I, you know, I, he, I think Derek, as the team leader, was going to be the first one asked. Um, let's hear those comments right now from Derek Carr. Yeah, like I said, like, like whether you agree or disagree with someone, like, like we talk about all the time, like in, the, in this country, if you disagree with someone, you automatically hate them. And I'm like, it couldn't be farther from the truth. You know, like I know a lot of people that disagree with me or I disagree with them and they're some of my best friends. You know what I mean? And, uh, and when he came in, I, I, I just like to watch, you know, and not one person from my point of view has treated him any different. He may have a different story. I don't know. I don't know what his story is, but from my point of view, you know, his locker is just a few down, you know, from mine. And I just, I, I want to make sure that, you know, he knows that, Man, we just want him to play as hard as he can so we can win a Super Bowl. You know, like that's what we're here to do. You know, whether someone agrees or disagrees with what he does on or off the field, that's everybody's opinion and leave it like that. But, you know, we're still a family when we come in this building. You know, we better treat him like such. And so from my point of view, it's been it's been good. But I don't know if Carl would say the same. I don't know. But from from what I've seen, it's been good. Adam, I know you had these comments in the paper. Tell me what you thought about Derek Carr. I thought he was professional about it i thought there's no question that while he there was a, a definite situation there where i don't think he agrees with with what went on in terms of carl nassab's lifestyle i think you can read that through the lines but i thought he made the points of he's in the, he's on the team he's our teammate um it's about winning how did you think Derek carr pulled this off in terms of what his response was to this question well i think it's pretty multifaceted i mean i i feel like the the words that Derek Carr used are are somewhat problematic. Um, I mean, they are. I mean, it, it, it's not it's not a full accepting, you know, of of Carl Nassib, obviously, and and you don't have to do that. But I think I think everybody in that room. I I don't want to speak for you, but I think everybody in the room when Derek Carr was speaking was a little bit taken aback. Like, whoa, this is this is not like I don't think what you would expect out of just a. Hey, well, that enough, it doesn't matter. You know, we're all teammates and we're good. Like that, that wasn't what Derek Carr was saying. It was like, hey, there's disagreement, certainly with with his lifestyle choices, which again, problematic. Um, yes. But but I think there's another level to this of 
one of the things that that does bother me uh oftentimes is you know there people are judgmental of how other people um Judge. are they're judgmental of how other people talk about certain situations but you're judging like you have to judge intent is what i'm getting at here and so yeah i think he didn't he wasn't artful with his terms um i, I think when you you know if if you were to know anything about the situation, you would look at that and say, yeah, that's not an ideal statement for somebody to make. But not everything has to be ideal. I think we have to judge right. people's intent more than just their words and what you know they specifically say. And when somebody is trying to be you know, an ally or trying to be on the right side of a situation or um, of a topic, we too often lump in the people that are just slightly off in their terminology with the people that are truly hateful. And, yes. and I think that happens often. And I, I think Derek Carr wasn't hateful. I don't think there was anything, no. you know, there was no mal malice with what he was trying to say. He just wasn't artful with, with what he was saying. And I just, I think it's really dangerous to loop people in uh, that are, are inartful with people that are hateful. And I think that's, that's a mistake that I think some people made uh, with these quotes where it's like, okay, listen, he, he, it wasn't ideal. It wasn't the perfect wording. It wasn't what you would, what you would want maybe if you're, you know, if you're an advocate or somebody that's on that side, but you also don't, don't hate somebody just because they're not fully up on, you know, how to talk about something. And I think, I think that's, that's an issue we have in society. Locals know the SCN Sports app is the most trusted sports betting app in Nevada. They have convenient sign-up locations across Las Vegas. So download the SCN Sports app today. Download and get a bonus up to $500 when you sign up at any of our convenient locations. I'm Jeff Gehrman, an investigative reporter with the Las Vegas Review Journal. I'm your guide for season two of Mobbed Up, The Fight for Las Vegas. You're in with every gangster and hoodlum in the United States. I don't go for that, Mr. Kennedy. I don't go for that kind of action. I was on television accused of fronting for the mob. Subscribe to Mobbed Up, The Fight for Las Vegas, Season 2, today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You heard Carter's statement there that, you know, if you disagree with someone, all of a sudden you hate them. Right. I mean, I agree with you. It didn't come across as hate. He obviously, look, Yazi obviously has issues with the lifestyle. I don't think you can hear those quotes, not realize that. But um, I thought as a team leader, he, you know, did his best to respond. I don't know if he knew the question was coming. I assume they must have thought it was once this announcement was made by Carl Nassib, once training camp started at some point, players would be asked as teammates their response to him coming out. I assume Derek Carr thought as the leader of that team, he would be one of the people asked about it. I don't know if he knew he was going to be asked about it yesterday. I don't know if that should matter. But I'm with you on that and that, you know what? I thought his response as a leader of a team and a person trying to say, look, this is what I think, but he's a teammate and we're here about winning. For someone who doesn't appear to be, like you said, in the camp of uh, you know supporting lifestyle, I thought he was fine. He didn't, you know, he, look, he didn't go out of his way to really you know, take sh shots or go negative, or whatever. He got his point across. And I thought he did it in a professional way. You can, like you said, you can pick apart any statement. And when it comes to situations like this, believe me, everyone asked on that team, the statements are going to be picked apart in terms of what they say. Everyone's going to know, what did they say? Does, do they agree? Do they not agree? Do they feel differently about him? Everything that you can think of that's going to be asked is going to be asked. Uh, just like with you and I sitting there yesterday when we, you know, you had the quote in the paper from Carr. Now people are picking it apart. I thought it was fine. I mean, I, I think we got his point of where he stood on it. 
but I don't think he went out of his way to either be negative towards him or to take, you know, you know, distance himself from him, uh, uh, you know, uh, beyond a teammate. Um, I thought it was fine by Derek Carr. Yeah, I'll, I'll say that in the moment, I I was taken aback by the statement. Um, I thought it was a little. I was like, whoa, that's not. What about after, what about after like two or a few, a few hours later, and you started thinking about it? I, I mean, it was five minutes later when I when I actually read yeah. it back, and I was like, oh, okay. Like I again, there's no hate from what he's saying. It's just it's no. it's inartful. No. Uh, I think that's that's what. And listen, you don't you don't have to uh, support. I guess that that. I don't even know. It's, again, and I'm getting into that spot too, where it's like the words are, the words matter to some people, and I understand sure. that, and and I think it's it's important to, um, you know, to have conversations and say, you know, how is how is this going? Now, again, I'll I'll back up and say one other thing. There was a point in what Derek Carr said, and we just heard it there, where he's like, "Listen, I've been observing, and I want to make sure that Carl Nass was treated the same way he always has been, yes, and yes. and everything else." And I think that's very important. It's it's very you know supportive and and helpful. But then he said, I don't you know I don't know what Carl would tell you. Well, like as a leader, shouldn't you have that conversation? Yeah, you're the team leader. That team. I would have thought again. I know we know through social media and other outlets that he reached out, or there was some kind of reaching out after the after Carl Nassib came out. I don't know specifically how. I remember reading a tweet. Maybe he just did it via Twitter uh, via Twitter. But you would think yes. Um, that once camp started or once they reported, there would have been, and it doesn't have to be a long conversation. I mean, just like you said, there would have been him as the team leader, who's obviously the leader of that team in the locker room, would have checked in with him and just said, look, it's about winning. It's about the Super Bowl. We're all teammates here. Let's move forward. Whatever you have to say, whatever you want to say. But you're right. The idea that team leader's first response was, I'll sit back and watch in terms of how people react. That's a little surprising given his stature. This is a third string offensive lineman. That's fine. Yeah. I, he said, hey, his locker is three spots down from mine. I've been watching to make sure that, you know, everybody treats him the same and doesn't, you know, cause him anything. He's like, but I don't know what he would tell you about that. Well, like, he's, he's right there. Like, ask him. Yeah. Like, hey, how's everything going? Everything cool? Like, everybody, everybody treating you still the same? Uh, everybody still being supportive right. of you? Like, it's an easy conversation to have. So, and maybe he has, and he just want to reveal that. I don't know. Again, you're picking apart words, um, and I'm, yes. I'm doing the same thing I said you should. But I, I think it would be very easy to say, okay, I'm, I'm not only observing, but I also asked him, hey, how's it going? How's everything? How's everything working out? How are you feeling? Like that should be an easy conversation to have, and it sounds like he hasn't. No, and, and maybe, well, like I said, we believe that uh, the media will talk to Carl Nassib as early as Friday, and you know, it's going to be a, it's going to be a press conference one time. Uh, you know, the media will ask the questions, Carl will answer them. And then after that, it should be about football and football only and how he fits on the team and how he performs and how they go forward. That's all this should be about. Um, I think he understood, you know, that would be the one time with the media and, um, I'm sure he'll be, you know, eloquent in what he says, and I'm sure he's, you know, uh, thought about it. So we'll have to see how that goes, but I think it'll, you know, it'll go like any media conference and then it'll be back to football is how it should be. Um, want to get to you this before we break up here in terms of this podcast and move on. Uh, I don't think you and I have talked about this, but transition here to the Olympics, weird transition. Um, have you thought you might have played this game with other people? I want to ask you this. It's very interesting to me to get your question. I've got my own answer. What Olympic sport could Adam Hill maybe not get on the medal stand on, but not like, like, like that Eddie the Yield guy, whoever that lunatic was in the, in the pool who almost drowned that one time they had to go in and get to. Who was that kid? 
I, um, I, don't, I don't even know. I thought you were talking about the uh, Eddie the Eagle guy who was like a ski jumper. Oh, maybe I'm talking about. No, there, there was some other kid who like uh, went in the water and almost drowned and they had to go in and get him uh, from some crazy small little country. He could barely swim. But what uh, sport could you not embarrass yourself at? Ooh. At an Olympic level. Oh, at an Olympic level, man. I mean, that's yeah. tough. I know. Yeah. I know. We had. I thought it was. I thought you were going to go in a different direction with this, which was a big talk around training camp last week. I, I don't know if you were there or not. Which was what thing in your in your own life are you so good at that if it was an Olympic event, you could you could actually medal in it? Well, you can go that way if you well, want. Like, I mean, that, that's well, there, there's well, a lot of there's a lot of weird answers. Um, most of them actually around around the facility involve like drinking games, which was looks odd. Okay. Uh, mine was Papa Shot. Like if Papa Shot was an Olympic event, I feel pretty confident that I could come close to meddling. Papa Shot? Yeah. Really? Well, I have, I mean, I have better than an Olympic medal in my mind. You know, I won that four-day tournament. There was a four-day Papa Shot tournament. I won it. Where? Uh, it was at the Sahara uh, here in Las Vegas. Was it, was, it, was it a single or a double? Were you going with someone standing right next to you? Uh, no, you, you, it was a, a tournament where you had to put up your best scores. Okay. Okay. All and right. then, well, and then you had to move okay. on, and then have a uh, like a, a single elimination. Uh, got down to a winner on the final day, and I won it. I won a four-player stand-up NBA Jam arcade machine. Oh, that's right. Wait a yeah. minute, I do remember oh, that yeah. arcade machine. Yeah. <laughs> Still got oh, it. The greatest, my greatest achievement, I would say, is winning that four-day Papa Shot tournament. So I feel like I could probably, you know, maybe be like that could be the the thing I could do. But actual events that are actually going on, I, I mean, I, there's, I don't think there's any. Like, I, I can swim. I'm not a, a fast swimmer necessarily. I could uh, – it has to be summer? We're watching the summer right now. Oh, uh, yeah. No, it'd have to be summer. Mm. Definitely not like kayaking. That looks impossible. It's tough. Well, if, if I could bring myself back to my 12-year-old self, because at this point I would not be able to. Yeah, do because are we? But do we I, get to go back and like train from that time? Well, if I could go back and train for my twelve-year-old self, it'd be one of two things: skateboarding or. <laughs> You're not going to meddle in skateboarding. I, I could no, but I wouldn't embarrass myself. The point is, when I was twelve, if I could train at the point when I was twelve, when I used to skateboard everywhere, I think I wouldn't embarrass myself. Like I, but I'm talking about my twelve-year-old self. The other twelve-year-old self I want to talk about is uh, the kid, Fast Eddie Graney from Laguna Beach, California won the uh, Laguna Beach Boys Club ping pong tournament. Okay. Now, if I could return to those days when I was 12, I might be able to return like two shots against the Chinese champion. <laughs> and then the point would be over. So I don't know if that's embarrassing or I'd actually be given like props saying, my God, that guy got two shots back. I mean, I guess if we're going back, I would say like that the three-on-three basketball that they just started playing. That was, yes, that was the okay. most fun event I've ever watched, I think. I love that. Yeah. Uh, we got to see – no American team is weird, but uh, on the women's side, we got to see the uh, uh, the two Las Vegas Aces, Kelsey Plum and Jackie Young, get their gold medal. That was a fun event. I think um, I'd be all right there, just uh, hang out around the three-point line, uh, kick it out, knock down some jumpers. I think that would work. Um, okay. My 12-year-old self, though, was – I mean, I was, I was convinced I was going to be in the major leagues as a baseball player, so I guess I would say baseball. Uh, you know, really? the baseball talent going. Finished, I didn't know this. We finished uh, one game short of the uh, of going to Williamsport. Wow! Yeah, we lost our, oh, lost, our lost our how'd you lose that? Lost game? our regional championship game in Bethesda, Maryland. Wow. It was a disaster. Uh, you see, well, how do you lose that when you get that close to the prize? Yeah, it was good, Ed. What do you want me to do? 
I tried. Was it one of those? Was it one of those cheating little league teams that had a bunch of like twenty year olds? I think they were they were on the up and up. We were all on the up and up. I know that. I didn't pitch that day, so maybe that's why we didn't make it. <laughs> Blaming the manager that he didn't put you on. No, I pitched. I pitched the day before. I couldn't. I couldn't pitch. Um, oh my God. No, well, pitch. I don't, look, here's the thing. I would have melted down. I don't think I would. I think I would have gotten lit up if I was pitching. So I'm not going to even blame that. I, I think it would have been way worse. Um, okay, hold on now. How did the team that beat you do at the Little League World Series? Uh, they didn't do very well. Oh, yeah, okay. it's, not, it's, it's not like you would have gone on and won the Little League World God, Series. No, we would have gotten run out right away. You're not, like, you were beating, at that point, it's probably Chinese Taipei, right? Yeah, they, I mean, they, that was the international powerhouse at the time. Yeah, we wouldn't have. We would have done very well, but it, it's so it's not like I look back and like if only we could have made it. Like we would have got run out of there um, for sure. Uh, but yeah, there's a. Uh, I mean, ba- baseball, but yeah, baseball's it's tough. So I mean, I would have if I would have stuck with it. Then I guess you could have said, yeah, maybe baseball would have been it. Yeah, I'm, but I don't. I, I mean, I also true. I want to make it clear that I, as somebody who loves the Olympics, uh, I would. I would never disrespect the Olympians by saying I could actually compete. I was watching the uh, the shot put last night. I had a pretty good arm. I could have stuck with it then. My arm's destroyed now from injuries, but I think I could have I could have thrown the shot put maybe. Did you see the kid who won it with the beard and the cowboy oh, yeah. hat? That kid's got to be from Texas or something. Gotta be. He was he was really whipping that thing out there. That kid was missing just a big old like Ford truck or something. He, <laughs> yeah. he took the mold there, that guy. Um, yeah, look, I'm not saying right now. I mean, because there's nothing obviously we could even come close to. But our younger selves, like again, again you know, I mean, come on now, 12 year old uh, ping pong champion, Laguna Beach Boys Club might have been three people in the tournament, but I got it done. Um, I look, I look at those ping pong players now, and it's just, it's, it's. I mean, it's not even real. I mean, it's not. I almost wonder, do you just rally just to make the point that you can, and nobody wants to win the point? Because it's just like there's no chance it should go on that long. And they're just amazing with those rallies. I'm like, all right, you're just doing it for show now. You're showing off for the world. It's insane. And, and yeah, I think there's like times where I was watching a point the other day where like they were on – they were basically like across from each other, not the long way of the table, like across right, the table. Right. And I was like, if right. one of you could clearly just hit the ball back out of the normal yes. part of the table and win the point. I think these ping pong players realize they're not like Team USA Bass or something. They want some TV time. So they just rally all night and they, oh, God, there was a 7,000 hit rally. We better put that on Peacock or NBC or wherever. But on, a, on a side note there, I don't think they're sponsors to us. Have you found that this Olympic coverage is completely uh, d- difficult to follow no. here? I don't no. know what's on. What's- I, will, I will fight you on this. Why? I, I The kid had me get the credit card out last night to buy something called Peacock Television all- to watch – to watch Team USA, and I know I'm going to forget to cancel that, so these people are going to be charging me $4.50 for the next 10 First years. First of all, you shouldn't cancel Peacock. It's amazing. I purchased a like a two-year Peacock plan before it ever went live. Uh, of I was course so into Peacock before it ever went live. I was all in. You get, okay, The Office is now on Peacock, so you get The Office, and I, I've watched an episode of The Office every day of my life, at least since it started, uh, so I had to get it for that. But they've also got a ton of other old shows that are really good and a bunch of sports. Uh, by the way, you are, I believe, you like to watch Notre Dame games. Yes. Uh, Notre Dame opener against Toledo exclusively on Peacock. All right, well, I'll keep so it for gonna a few more months. For that. And every yeah. SNL ever. Like, there's so many great shows on there and movies and sports. It's great. 
And you know this is going to be like Disney where I can't find the button to cancel. That's what they get you in there on the 450 a month. Then you go back to the main screen to your to your uh, account. Nowhere on there is cancel subscription. To cancel Disney, I had to almost I had to call like I had to unearth Walt Disney from the grave to get that thing canceled. They never let you cancel these these uh, television stations that you really don't want in the long run. Uh, there, I have a bigger problem with something else that I'm not going to mention on this podcast. That uh, uh all right, that, that sounded right. worse than it is. Um, I've nah, I'm not going to say it. Um, I have subscriptions to some news outlets that I cannot okay. cancel, and they keep charging me, and I can't figure out how to stop them. Be very careful there. <laughs> um, I'll, uh, I'll keep Peacock, and I'll trust you. Well, what do you, of course I'm keeping it. There's no chance I'd ever be able to cancel it. Uh, now that there was the Sun had one basketball game on there, I'll, I'll be able to uh, force to uh, watch there, it. Uh, we've we've the, pe- the Peacock service with the Olympics. There's just a channel for every sport, and you just go to the sport that you want to watch, and you watch it all the time. It's incredible. I love it. Yeah, I didn't. I, I th- it was too confusing to me last night. I just wanted to find Vashti Cunningham in the prelims of the high jump, and I couldn't find her. And I'm like, what am I paying for uh, this? You mean for? you? Do, why don't you just go to the track and field channel? on peacock and watch it as i did because on because on track and field it looks like it only does specific races and no moments. the track and field channel shows every track and field of it i was watching the women's heptathlon all right well i'll, I'll try it tonight but I, I i'm not i'm not fired up about the nbc coverage <laughs> and on the main station it's only skateboarding beach volleyball track and field and swimming they don't see they don't show anything else in gymnastics yeah, that's, that's it that's why if you want to watch those things you get peacock and watch them all right well we, we, we've talked enough about it. Maybe next week we'll be sponsored by Peacock. For now, though, that's going to do it for our latest edition of Unsportsmanlike Conduct the Vegas Nation. Now, this podcast has been sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. Remember now, there are new episodes of Vegas Nation every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Subscribe to Vegas Nation on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any podcasting app you can support this show by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and can find all our coverage at VegasNation.com. For Larry, Adam, I'm Ed. We'll talk to you next week again from training camp. I'm Jeff Gehrman, an investigative reporter with the Las Vegas Review-Journal. In partnership with the Mob Museum, I'm your guide for season two of Mobbed Up, The Fight for Las Vegas, a true story about money. And so it was their piggy bank. They had the ability to get loans for whoever they wanted to get loans for. Crime. You're in with every gangster and hoodlum in the United States. I don't go for that, Mr. Kennedy. I don't go for that kind of action. And the battle to control the strip. I was on television accused of fronting for the mob. We were very angry and very upset, and we knew we had been double-crossed. Subscribe to Mobbed Up, The Fight for Las Vegas, Season 2, today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by Pro Group Management. Additional sponsorship provided by El Cortez and the Golden Steer.